Welcome back to our study called Rise, the Psalms of Ascent, where we are taking these weeks to close out the summer to journey through these specific psalms that deal with this rise of, with deal with this issue of rising as Israelites were moving up to Jerusalem. That's where the Psalms of Ascent get their meaning from, is the Israelites would sing these as they moved up to Jerusalem for the festivals and the feast times. One author puts it this way, he says, the Psalms of Ascent are a call to once again pursue a dwelling with God. It was never about a specific stretch of land as much as the temple and the land was always pointing to where God's people are headed, namely for God to make his dwelling with humanity in joy for all eternity. And this call still resonates for us today as we pursue after the Lord. We may not be moving towards the temple, but we can still be moving and journeying towards God. And so we are looking at these psalms to look at what they say about our life today, about how they help point us to the Lord. Before we jump into our psalm today, let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your word that you have given us. Thank you for sustaining it throughout the years and uh, giving it to us today so that we may learn from it. Lord, I pray that nothing that I say would get in the way of what you wish to declare. But Lord, may you be glorified through your word preached here today. I pray this in your matchless name. Amen. Well, one of the things that I've loved about the Psalms, and specifically the Psalms of Ascent, is that they really speak to us and where we're at in life. They really resonate with different issues that people are going through in their daily walk. They're not something that's so abstract that they're hard to relate to, but they speak to real-life issues that we wrestle with and struggle with, to questions of how we seek to live a life pursuing after the Lord. Or when we're going through trials, how do we handle the trials that we find ourselves in? And so our psalm today is great because it deals with the issue of needing help. Who here has ever needed help in their life at one time or another? Really, every hand should be up, right? We all have found ourselves in moments or times or seasons where we needed help. Perhaps it was just a singular moment where you really found yourself needing help out of the situation you were in. Or maybe it was a longer period or stretch of time that you went through where you really needed help. Help perhaps with work or projects that you needed to do around the house or help with learning how to manage your time or help with the temptation or a sin issue. You see, we all need help at one time or another. And the psalm today seeks to answer the question of what form this help comes from. How can we expect the help to come about, and where do we look for this help, and what does that mean for us? So today we're going to be looking at a pretty famous psalm. It's Psalm 121. So if you would turn there with me or follow along on the screen, but we're going to be reading Psalm 121 and then going back through it And looking more closely at these eight verses. But Psalm 121, a song of ascent, is what it says. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. 
What a beautiful picture that this psalm paints. It's short. There's not a lot there, and yet the depth of theology present in this psalm, the depth of faith that we see from the psalmist is beautiful here in this short eight-verse psalm. It begins with this idea of lifting my eyes up to the hills, for where does my help come from? And then the psalmist answers, my help comes from the Lord who made heavens and the earth. And when you hear the psalmist describe this idea of lifting up your eyes to the hills, it's the idea of looking for help, of looking for where the psalmist can get reprieved from what he's going through. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what the psalmist needs help from, but we know that he has found himself in a situation where he needs help. And so he's lifting his eyes up, seeking that help. For us, often when we find ourselves needing help, Sometimes the Lord is not the first place we go. Sometimes when we need help, we first turn to ourselves and try to do it on our own. We try to muster up what we need to accomplish getting ourselves out of the situation we found ourselves in. Or perhaps if you need help, you go to the internet and you Google an answer for your problem. Or maybe there's an addiction that you have that you go to when you need help because it helps you forget what's going on, helps you not have to actually deal with the problem that you find yourself needing help from. The psalmist asks, where does my help come from? And we should be asking the same thing. Where do we look for help? When we find ourselves struggling, we find ourselves in a dark place or in a place where we need help, where do we look? Where do we turn our eyes? Do we look to the hills? Do we look to the heavens? The hills has been thought of to be the high places where gods would be. So it was a place that often people would look to help for. And the psalmist goes even higher than the hills and looks to the Lord who made the heavens of the earth. The point of this psalm, the point of Psalm 121 isn't to focus on the problem. It's not to focus our attention on what we're going through, but to pause and to fix our eyes upon the one and only solution to our problems. And that is the Lord. He is the source of help that the psalmist cries out for. He's the source of help for you when you are going through troubles and trials. I love what Isaiah says in chapter 41, verse 10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. You see, it's not just the psalmist that points us to the Lord as our help, but we see this theme throughout Scripture. In fact, in Hebrews, in the New Testament, in chapter 13, verse 6, it says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, the psalmist fixes his eyes up upon the Lord who is his helper, and you and I can too fix our eyes upon the Lord to be our helper. And we can find great confidence in who the Lord is, that he is not just some deity made by man, but he is the one and only true God. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth, and that's what the psalmist is proclaiming here when he says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. This expression is used to point us back to Genesis, back to Genesis 1-1, which says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's to remind us of who it is who we have help in, that the Lord, the creator of the universe and everything in it, including the hills to which the psalmist is looking, that these are all the Lord's. 
that he is responsible for creating all of them, that he is responsible for sustaining all of them, and that he is the one whom we look to for help. Warren Weiserby reminds us that if God created the heavens and the earth, then he is a God of power, wisdom, and glory, and we have nothing to fear. Satan and his demonic army may be working against us, opposing the saints, but this is still our Father's world. What a reassuring word to be reminded that even if we're going through trouble, even if we are facing difficulties, that this is still our Father's world, that He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Well, the scene has been set for us here in this psalm by one who's crying out. And the first two verses are are an individual who's crying out to the Lord, who's seeking to find help from his situation. He's crying out to God, asking that God would answer him and help him. And the rest of the psalm, what we see, this response, is thought to either be a priest who's responding to the psalmist or another person of faith who is responding and assuring the man who's crying out of who God is, of his character. And I love the picture that the psalmist paints because it's, it's an importance of unity amongst the body. That's not just one person crying out and being left alone, but someone else is there to affirm him and to encourage him in who he is to fix his eyes upon. In verse 3 it says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So the psalmist is crying out for help, asking where his help comes from, And saying it comes from the Lord, and now someone is responding and letting him know, yes, the Lord will keep you steady. The Lord will keep you and will neither slumber nor sleep. You see, the Lord keeps our feet steady. He keeps us from being moved even in the midst of a society that seeks to move us continually. Everyone who wants to move us away from God's ways Everyone who wants to move us away from God's word or from focusing our attention upon God as Lord of our life. If we fix our eyes upon him, he will keep our feet steady. He will help us from being moved. You see, the psalmist is reminding us that the Lord does not slumber. He's not checked out or absent. But when we cry out to him, he hears our cries and he is there to answer. This reminds me of Elijah when he's uh, on the on the mountain of Carmel, and he's doing the offering to the Lord, and then the false gods are seeking to get their offering burned up. And they're crying out to their god, Baal, and they're asking him to come down and consume the offering. And Elijah begins to taunt them. It says, at noon, Elijah began to make fun of them. He said, if Baal really is a god, maybe you should pray louder. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's thinking about something. Or maybe he stepped out for a moment. He could be sleeping. Maybe you should pray louder and wake him up. That's what we see in 1 Kings 18. And so when the psalmist says that God doesn't slumber or sleep, it reminds me of when Elijah's telling him, cry out louder, your God's not hearing you. You see, our God is an always present God. He is always there to hear us. He's never taking a break. He's not out to lunch and leaves us to our own accords, but God is always there. The word used here by the psalmist for uh, he will not slumber, it's not usually used for a request or a command, but the idea here is more of a wish or a prayer, which we see answered confidently in verse 4, when it says, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. 
This word keeps also could be used to describe guard or protect, and it's important for the people of Israel. We see it used here in this psalm eight times, sorry, six times in eight verses. But this word has this idea of keeping or guarding. It's the same word we see in the blessing of Israel in Numbers 6 where it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. It's important to note that when this word is used, this idea of keeping, that it's always used in reference to the Lord. That it is the Lord who is actively keeping the psalmist, not only in providing for him and guarding him and watching over him, but fending off those who would intend to bring the psalmist harm. It reminds us here, too, that the Lord is not just keeping this one individual, but the Lord has watched over and kept Israel as well. If you think back on the history of Israel, there's many times that we see the Lord's protection, his guarding of Israel. If you think about the exodus when God watches over them, or when they enter into the promised land, his provision, countless battles where God fights for Israel and guards them and watches over them. When they are fixed upon him, when they are walking in his ways and following the Lord, he is there to guard them and to keep them and to protect them. And it's a beautiful picture that we see throughout Scripture and that the psalmist echoes here. The psalmist continues in verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. I love that as the psalmist walks through this psalm, he continues to portray the Lord as the one who is in control, as the one who is intentional and has a plan with his creation. That the Lord is your keeper. He is your shade on your right hand. This last week, I was camping and, uh, with my family, and one of the days we went to a beach to go play in the water with our kids, and it was 90 plus degrees, and my brother had thought to bring a sunshade that he put up and Everyone wants to be under that sunshade because shade, when it is hot, protects you. It keeps you a little bit cooler. It keeps you from getting burnt. It's where people want to be. People didn't want to just sit out in the sun all day and roast, but they wanted to be in the shade. And so the psalmist here reminds us of the shade that the Lord offers. Shade is a welcome relief in the heat of the sun and protects and it guards you from that impact of the sun. And the Lord does the same. He provides for us, he protects us, and he guards us, and he gives us relief when we look to him. And because of the Lord, when we focus upon him, because he is keeping us, we shall not be struck down, not by the sun, nor by the moon, which draws us back to the idea of the Lord being the creator of all, of the heavens and the earth, that he is not only creator of all, but he is in control of it all. The psalmist continues in verse 7 and 8, closing out the psalm, and says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This verse, as we read it, should give us pause. Because we have, sometimes we read this and we think, well, I haven't been kept from all evil. I've had times in my life when I've had to deal with evil in my life, where I've had to deal with difficulties So what does this mean when it says that the Lord will keep us from all evil? You see, God's promised life is not a guarantee of comfort, but rather one of protection. And that's where sometimes I think we miss what Scripture is saying, is we think that following Christ, 
will at times equal that we won't have trials and that we won't have difficulties, that we'll just have a life of comfort and that the Lord will give us all that we want. And yet, Scripture is clear that the Lord will provide for all of our needs, but not necessarily all of our wants. And that the Lord will protect us and watch over us, but that doesn't mean that our life will be one of comfort. It doesn't mean that we won't have difficulties or trials, but the Lord will keep us ultimately from evil. The Lord will watch over us and sustain us and in his grace save us. And that's the beauty of what he does. Josh Moody talks about a surgeon prepping in this section and talks about how it relates to this idea of the Lord keeping us from evil. He says, think of a surgeon prepping himself to go into surgery. As he prepares, he he knows in one sense that he is about to do his patient harm. He is going to cut open his body and delve in with surgical tools, and the patient will bleed. If there is no anesthetic, the patient would be screaming in pain, strapped to an operating bed. That sounds evil, yet that surgeon rightly believes that he is following the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. Harm is not harm when it does good. That is what I think the psalm must be saying. Yes, this may hurt. That is why you're asking for help. Look at the hills, but do not stop there. Go beyond them. Look to God who made the mountains, who made everything that you see. You see, when we focus upon the Lord when we follow him intentionally and fix our eyes upon him, he will guard us. This doesn't mean that we'll never have trials. This doesn't mean that we'll have all the comfort that we desire, but it means that God is watching over us. Think of the meaning of this verse for those in Israel, for the culture that they lived in, a culture where during this time workers would have to leave the protection of the city walls to carry out their work. They would go and tend to the sheep or work the field during the day before returning to the walled city in the evening. So when the Lord says that he will keep your going outs and your coming ins from this time forth and forevermore, it's the idea that the Lord is with them day in and day out. When they are in the city and when they're outside the city, God will sustain them. God will protect them. Notice how the psalm ends, though. It tells him, that he will keep his comings from this time forth and forevermore. Not just today will the Lord guard you or watch over you, but from this time forth and forevermore. This keeping that is shown in the Psalms is brought to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ. When he comes and dies on the cross for us, we see the fulfillment of God's guarding us and keeping us and protecting us. And that we are given access to eternal life through Jesus Christ. I love how when we read the Psalms, we can see them pointing forward to Christ as the ultimate one who we are to fix our eyes upon. As the ultimate one in whom life is found and the ultimate one in who our help truly comes from. This Psalm has pointed our eyes to the Lord as the one who we can look to when we need help. So what does it look like to find our strength in the Lord? How do we put this into practice day in and day out? I think the first step is to learn to depend on the Lord for our strength. You see, it's an interesting thing because even when we want strength and we have to learn to depend on the Lord, part of that process is a surrendering. Part of learning how to have strength through the Lord is being willing first to surrender to the Lord. When J. Wilbur Chapman, a famous preacher, was in London, he had an opportunity to meet with General Booth. 
who at that time was past 80 years of age. And Dr. Chapman listened reverently as the old general spoke of the trials and conflicts and the victories. And then the American evangelist stopped for a second and asked the general if he would disclose his secret for success. He hesitated for a second. Dr. Chapman said he saw tears come into his eyes and steal down his cheeks. And then this is what he said. I will tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth that there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it's because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, all the influence of my life. Dr. Chapman said he went away from that meeting with General Booth knowing that the greatness of a man's power is his measure of surrender. You see, part of depending on the Lord for strength, part of looking to the Lord for our help is surrendering our lives, surrendering ourselves to the Lord and trusting in Him. And as we do this, we'll see a confidence being built. As we surrender our lives to His Word, to prayer, to letting Him lead and guide us, we'll see a confidence being built in who the Lord is that allows us to depend upon Him at all times, through all seasons. No matter what joys we may endure, no matter what trials may come, we'll find that through the Lord and a dependence upon Him, He will strengthen us. I love what Romans 8, 37 through 39 says. It says, Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when we depend upon the Lord, when we fix our eyes upon him, when we turn to him for help day in and day out, Nothing can separate us from him. Nothing can take away his protection. Nothing can remove him from us, which will lead us to then be able to trust in his protection, to know that when we cry out to him that he will protect us. The interesting thing about the Lord's protection is we don't always know when it happens. We like to think that we understand fully how the Lord works and what his protection looks like when we trust him the reality is that there is a lot to this life that we don't see. There's a lot going on in the spiritual realm as well as the physical earthly realm that we don't understand or don't know what is occurring. I love a story that I want to share with you from Ira Sankey, who for years led the music for D.L. Moody's evangelistic meetings. And Ira was traveling by steamboat on Christmas Eve in 1875. He was recognized by some of the passengers, and they asked him if he would sing. So Sankey agreed and began singing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. When the song was done, one of the listeners stepped forward and asked, Did you serve in the Union Army? Yes, Mr. Sankey answered. Can you remember if you were doing picket duty on a bright moonlit night in 1862? <laughs> yes, Mr. Sankey said again. I was serving in the Confederate Army. The other gentleman said, When I saw you standing at your post... I raised my gun and took aim. 
I was standing in the shadow, completely concealed, while the full light of the moon was falling upon you. At that instant, you raised your eyes to heaven and began to sing that same song. Let him sing his song to the end, I said to myself. I can shoot him afterward. I heard those words perfectly. We are thine, do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. I began to think of my childhood and my God-fearing mother who sang that song to me. When you finished, it was impossible for me to take aim again. And I thought the Lord who is able to save that man from certain death surely must be great and mighty. You see, the Lord protects us. Sometimes we get to see how. Sometimes we understand how the Lord's protection plays a part in our lives. And sometimes we have no idea what God is doing to watch over us and to protect us. And we see this throughout Scripture, the Lord protecting His people. It doesn't mean that there's never any harm or difficulties. Perhaps it's Him protecting you spiritually from an attack or from physical harm or protecting you from discouragement. There's many different ways that the Lord protects us. But we can know that God in His goodness and in His love shown towards us protects us and keeps us. And it's because of this that we can trust in the Lord and seek protection in Him alone. The last point I want to make about this psalm and what I believe it leads us to beyond depending on the Lord for strength and beyond trusting in His protection is to worshiping Him no matter what. You see, the psalm are beautiful songs to be sang. In fact, this psalm you can look up on YouTube and you can hear it sang in Hebrew and it's a beautiful, beautiful song pointing to the Lord as the one who will keep us. The beauty of this psalm is that even in difficulty, even in the trials that the psalmist is going through, even during this time when he's calling out to the Lord for help, focusing his attention upon God and praising him for who he is, the psalmist is worshiping as well. As followers of Jesus, we must seek to live lives that are worshipful, that take up a posture of worship day in and day out. We must seek to worship the Lord daily, recognizing his presence in our lives, his presence in creation, his fingerprints in the world around us. And we must seek to worship him in the trials, in the joy, in the blessings, and in the lean times, knowing that he is God and that he is deserving of all of our worship and praise. And in doing this, when you worship the Lord, even in the difficulties, when you worship the Lord in good times and in bad, when you start to develop a life that has a posture of worship, you will learn to deepen your dependence upon the Lord. You will find that you think and dwell upon the Lord more often, that you more quickly turn to Him throughout your day, and that you more quickly sing praises to Him no matter what you're going through, because He is God and he deserves all of our praise. The beautiful thing that this psalm does is it reminds us that when we need help, there is one who is there for us. So no matter what you're going through this week, no matter what situation you find yourself in, or what help you need, turn to the Lord. Look up to him, fix your eyes upon him, and call out to him knowing that he hears you, that he will answer you that he is there for you. And may all praise be his, now and forevermore. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the reminder that the psalm gives us that you are there to keep us. Lord, that we can turn to you 
each and every moment of our days, fixing our eyes upon you and knowing that you will watch over us. Lord, I'm just baffled at your goodness and how you care for us. That we as sinners, that you still care for us each and every moment of our day. That you are there listening attentively when we cry out to you. So Lord, may you show yourself to us this week that we may have just a glimpse of understanding of how you are interceding in our lives, how you are leading and guiding us and protecting us. And Lord, may you deepen our faith in you and our dependence upon you. Lord, if that means going through difficulties so that we become more dependent upon you, then Lord, may we go through those difficulties. But Lord, no matter what we find ourselves in, may we fix our eyes upon you. May we find peace in who you are in your character, in your goodness, in the love that you have shown us through Jesus Christ. We praise you and we thank you for the sacrifice that you made that enables us to come before you and have our sins covered by your grace. What a gift that is. And so we praise you and thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.